the worship team an opportunity to back up and go. They don't want to hear the sermon twice. They'll be doubly blessed. <laughs> I'm going to be standing here, so... No, I can't stand there. Rachel says I can't stand there. <laughs> Is that okay? Um, every time I'm called on to preach, it's lockdown. And there are two services. And so now I'm in this habit of preaching short sermons. I think it's a good thing. Thank you, Paddy, for praying. And so um, it, it has been great following the past six months of Exodus. I wonder how many of you are aware that's how long we've been going. Six months, 26 weeks. It's half the year and 13 different speakers. And today is the penultimate. Uh, Rob will finish um, next week uh, in the process. And the thing that I've been appreciating is the practical application. And to me, that's always an important part of Scripture. So what is the question that we always ask after reading God's Word? And uh, recently I was listening to the passages on the tabernacle and the sacrifices and the food and oh, my, I felt really sorry, uh, particularly you, Jeff. <laughs> I really felt for him having to preach on, on those aspects. And uh, it was almost a breathing and a sigh of relief when I got to something that was a little less obscure. But we find ourselves in Exodus 33, verse 12 to 23. And I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I will put up different parts which I'll speak to. This happens just after the golden calf incident. And you remember the response of Moses and God's response. And, and we'll see some of that as we go through it. So to understand what's happening in chapter 3, you have to understand what has gone before and then why God and Moses respond in the way they do. After bringing the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, God had initiated a very special relationship with them, calling them from all peoples of the earth to be God's treasured possession, to be a priestly kingdom and a holy nation that was in Exodus 19 and then he gives them the Ten Commandments Exodus 20 the instructions on building the tabernacle um, 25 and then God promised and this is quite critical to what goes uh, next God promises to dwell in the midst of the Israelites and the tabernacle was this visible sign of that abiding presence of God. And just as God's glory rested on the mountain in a cloud, so God's glory would fill the tabernacle. And God would be present with the people in a real and material way as they traveled through the wilderness. What happens though, the problem is that by the time we get to Exodus 33, the people have stumbled badly. And as I was um, preparing this week, it, it, it really um, touched me. And this is the bit that 
I can identify with the people of Israel. Often we look at the people of Israel and how, how could they do that? Well, I, I, I can see. I can see by worshipping the golden calf, they have betrayed their relationship with God and have hurt. And I think that's the bit that I understand, that God hurts. Yes, he's anger, but it's the fact that I hurt God when I stumble badly. So right after that betrayal, God changes his mind about the shape of their relationship. And I hadn't actually seen this until I came to read this particular part. So the Lord says to Moses, okay, go. This is after the incident with the golden calf. Now go to the promised land that I've, that I've uh, promised you, to you, that I said to your descendants I will give you. I will send an angel before you. Very interesting. Remember what happened before? It was God going before. God says, here, yeah, I'll send an angel before you and drive her. But I will not go up among you. Or I would consume you on the way, for you are stiff-necked, stubborn people. And that's where the story comes in, where Moses goes, hold it, hold it. And now Moses actually pleads on behalf of the people. And he says, this is how I read Moses speaking to God. Moses says to God, look, you tell me, lead this people, but you don't let me know whom you're going to send with me. You tell me I know you well and you're special to me. If I'm so special to you, let me in on your plans. Um, that way I will continue to be special with you. Don't forget this is your people, your responsibility. You know, I just get that sense of Moses probably also feeling some of the frustration. But, but God, you can't just tell me. I, I, I want to know you. You're telling me you're special. Keep in mind, Moses is speaking to Almighty God. Let me illustrate this. Previous, my previous employment was with the Employers and Manufacturers Association, where I taught employment law. And one of the things that the lawyers were explaining to me that employment law, the, one of the principles of employment law is a master-servant principle. So they were trying to explain to me that your manager is your master and you are the servant. Can you imagine my response when I heard that? After 29 years of living in apartheid South Africa, I'm no one's servant. Yes, I understand, Keith, but that is the way it is. That is the power and authority that does exist in the employer, in your manager. The great thing about that was that our relationship, yes, it had that element, but it was one of a friend. And so I can identify with how God, with respect, speaks to, uh, sorry, Moses speaks to God with respect. But it is as a friend. Because I, I would have these great relations, uh, th these chats with my manager. Um, I, would, I would challenge him on, on things with respect, on a range of things. 
I often used to tell me, Keith, you have to do this particular project. And it was one of those projects that I didn't really want to do. So I would always say to him, um, is this have to, have to, or have to optional? And of course he would say to me, no, you, you don't have a choice, you, you have to do it. I said, oh, so if I don't do it, will you discipline me? No, why? I said, well, then it's have to optional. <laughs> oh, by the way, don't use, you've got to use that for good, not for evil. I don't want to hear that people have gone back to their employers and asked them things like that. But it is the crux of employment law and that relationship which I understood was powerful. Sorry, there was power and authority, but yet you could still be a friend. And I think that's what the first thing that came to mind was our relationship. My faith is with Almighty God, but it's as a friend. Jesus actually says, from now I call you friends. Yes, there is that uh, respect and and, uh, uh, adoration of Almighty God, but it is as a friend. And so Moses engages with God in a face-to-face manner as one speaks to a friend. He prays, he draws near to God. In this face-to-face, he lets God know exactly what is on his heart. What does Moses desire Is pleading with God. What does he desire? Again, let me illustrate this. Kathy saw my slides and she said, oh, you, you have to put your grandchildren in there sometime, wouldn't you? It was only a matter of time before my granddaughters would. But I can illustrate, you can see where my illustration goes with this particular thing. That's Indy. Indy's almost four. And Marley is almost uh, two. Marley can't um, speak much, but the one thing that she does do is when she wants me to be with her, she puts out her hand and says, come. She tries grandy, because that's what I'm called, but she can't really say it. But come. Yeah, I'm coming, Marley. Come. Come. And she'll put her hand out, and she won't go unless I come with her. And, and then when I do, then she says, sit. Uh, some, someone knows my daughter and they said, oh, okay, we, we know where that comes from. <laughs> but it's not enough just to be around. It's, it's, I want you close. And that's actually what Moses says here. Because God, please, changes his mind. I I have to be careful when I say something like that. But God says, okay, 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 Moses, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. Listen to what Moses says. If your presence doesn't take the lead here, that, that angel's nice and all that, but if you are not here, call this whole trip off. This is the message. I'm not interested in the promised land, is Moses' response. How else will it be known that you're with me in this, with me and your people? Are you traveling with us or not? 
And what that made me think about, and it, it has been something that I've been thinking about a little bit more as I now get to, because my father passed away in recent times, so I'm the next person at the, you know, at the end, and I'm closer to the end than to the beginning. And I've been thinking about these things. And one of the things that I've really come to, my faith is not just about getting to heaven one day, as Bruce Podmore preached about, it's not about a passport or a boarding pass, and we're just actually sitting in the waiting room waiting. This is not just about heaven. This is about having God with us as we journey, and that to me is quite critical. I need God, that's what Moses said. If we go into the promised land, that's great, but I need your presence with me. For what purpose? For me, it is how do I replicate for those who journey with me in this world a picture of what heaven is like. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That to me is what I believe is part of why we absolutely need God's presence as we show people a picture of what God is like, what Jesus is like. And by the way, we have to start changing the view that people do have of what God and what Christ is like because it tends to be a bit negative. I believe that as God is present with us, yes, whatever's ahead is great, but we need God's presence as we journey through. Paul puts it in this way, and it's about Moses saying, I want to know you. He speaks about that in that passage about knowing. And and this is what Apostle Paul says in Ephesians. He says, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. There's the God's presence with you, with us. The spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's back there, way there. But it's now giving you the spirit of wisdom as you journey there. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe. Yes, it is about heaven, but it's also about how we, with God's presence, journeying with us to that point. A little bit further, and I just want to make a, a, a mention it, is Moses actually is quite, um, quite demanding and quite audacious. He says, God, I want to see your glory. And God says, um, okay, Moses, I think that so far I know further. No, you can't see it. Yes, we can come and petition and ask God, but there are some things where God will say no. And he does just that. He says, you can't see my face, but I'll pass by and you can see the back of me in that passage. That's not for you. God draws the line. 
The thing that I come to the, this passage is one of the, and it's ongoing. In the end, life continues and goes back after the golden calf incident. Life continues after you and I blow it. You know why? Because God remains faithful. In spite of what his people did, and oh my goodness, how much patient and how frustrated God must have been, the same, same problem over and over again, God remains faithful. He has made a covenant with his people. He won't renege. These are the three bits of application that I, in looking at this particular part of the passage, came upon. Our faith is based on a friendship relationship. Not this God that people are scared of, and, 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 but as a friend. Yes, there is that power and authority, but don't lose sight that God is called to that friendship. The second part is, can I encourage you that, yes, it's not, but it's not just about getting to heaven. It's not just about one day we're going to enjoy the presence of God forever. But what's, it, what's my call with God's presence, his spirit for us day by day? And the one thing that I hold on to uh, as I was speaking to someone who was really concerned about losing his salvation. I, I'm just worried, Keith, that if I, if I do something, you know, I could lose my salvation. The, the one thing I do know about that is that God will make the right judgment. I stopped making judgments about who's going to heaven and who's going to hell a while ago. God will get it right. And the one thing that I could share with him is that God will remain faithful to his promises. He won't renege on that. And that to me is encouraging. And so as we get to the end of Exodus, I pray that... Um, this God of the Israelites who set out to bring those people to himself that's the same God that reaches out as he's called you into a relationship with him that you won't lose sight of that he's not just the God of the New Testament but also the God of the Old Testament I pray that these words will be um, an encouragement but also a, a inspiration for you to follow and to impact our world as Christ came to do through us. There's no uh, final song, so it leaves me to read the benediction and um, our service will be closed. I'm reading from Jude. And I love this benediction. I love it sung, actually. 
but uh, we'll leave that for now. Now unto him who is able to keep you without stumbling or slipping or falling and to present you blameless and faultless before the presence of his glory with unspeakable ecstatic delight. To the one and only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, splendor, majesty, might, and dominion and power and authority before all time, now, and forevermore. Amen. God bless you this week as you journey with him. Amen.